So today's episode, we started off initially wanting to just talk about the principles of remote work is what we called it. And just like the ideas and, and kind of the operating systems and principles that we use running a remote agency, because we've been remote since pre-COVID. We started off remote. Benji's in San Diego. I'm in the Bay Area. If you don't know anything about California geography, that's like five states in the East Coast. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a lot. It's like, well, that's pretty far. Um, and, uh, and the whole team is scattered throughout the US and we have people in Europe and uh, internationally. So there's just no chance we will ever not be remote. It's not a remote because of COVID come to the office Tuesday and Thursday stuff. And we had all these things to discuss about that. And while we were discussing right before we hit record, um, what we're going to try is talking about one specific aspect of running a remote company, because otherwise the discussion can devolve into just like this whole debate about should a company be remote versus that? And we don't want to get into that. Everyone's talked about that. I think everyone, anyone who follows us knows where we stand on this. We're obviously running a fully remote company. We've done that before COVID. So we're obviously on the remote side, but let's deep dive um, as per what we call this video series and podcast um, into this one aspect, which is the first bullet point of, of Benji's notes that he sent me this morning about recording this. And the bullet point says outcomes over outputs. And the idea behind that um, is managing that a traditional company, including the majority in office, they sort of manage people by like the immediate output of what that person does. Like you're working from nine to five or whatever. You're like in your seat from this time to that time. And if you're not, you're green and whatever. And we don't do that. We do it over outcomes. So why don't you explain and we can we can dive in after that. What made you yeah, type that as the first thing? Yeah, it's just something that I've noticed throughout my career that almost everyone who's managed me was more focused on just little tasks. So at the end of every week, having to send over a, just like a list of the small things that you've gotten done for the week. Or I don't know, when I was in uh, an in-person business, just judging whether you're doing your work by whether you're in the office or whether you're there from nine to five or working from, I don't know, the last company I worked for, I had to be there for, I was working like 12 to 15 hour days. And what I realized just being an employee in that position is most of that time was wasted. And I know there's so many people who've been in in-person jobs who go to work and they have to like pretend to look busy even just because they've done all their work and, or, or they're just like exhausted or tired or something else is going on in their life and they're just not motivated to work that day and they just have to sit in front of a computer and look busy. And so I think when we started this business... I just thought it was important to approach things in a completely different way because I understood that having been an employee before, I understood that not all your eight hour day is spent doing focused work that actually moves the business forward. And I started questioning, is that even the best way to manage people? Like if someone can do their work in three to five hours a day or even less sometimes, is it really important to make them work eight hours a day? just for the sake of being there and making it look like they're they're doing work or like getting their salary. And so, yeah, that's, that's just kind of what was going on in my mind at that time. Yeah. I think that 
it comes from this culture, this whole like output and be at your seat. I, I, I wonder if this comes from the culture of like, well, there's a few thoughts I have. One is this fear driven management that you yes. just have this mentality that everyone is out to cheat you, including your employees. And they're trying to take advantage. And there's this whole thing of like, what, what, what do the people say on my, on the clock? You can't yeah. do that on my time. If you're like the owner, you can't do that on my time. Don't like be calling your kid's doctor's office or whatever on my time or something like this. Um, and, and that's just, that's just gross. Like who, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know how to justify not us not doing that. Like why, why do you treat your employees like that? I don't get it. And then, um, the second one I think is more innocent that that one's more accusatory. Like these managers are yeah. being heavy handed. The second one is like, I almost think it's just a lack of organization. Like, I think if you asked a lot of managers and all like, okay, do it by outcomes. They'd be like, well, how, like, what are the outcomes? Like they haven't, they yeah. haven't thought through that for all of their roles. They, they don't, they wouldn't even know what to do. You know, whereas well, ours that, is very well defined. Like well, what, it, it starts with having the right goals and, and the right outcomes. You have, you have to really look at your business and try to d decide what, what's really going to move the needle versus what is that busy work that you just make people do because it seems like it's moving things forward. And so I think at the very beginning, we have a very set process and a very set service. And so if you think about what we need to deliver to clients and then work backwards from there in terms of what's actually important for people on our team to do on a daily or weekly basis, I think then there's only a few things that actually matter. And then people are focused uh, their most time on doing those things that actually move the, the business forward or get results for clients rather than just trying to look busy. Okay, so this is actually interesting. And I think this would be most useful is trying to dive into us as a case study. And then I want to play devil's advocate and say that we may be, because what you said, we're Product an agency service. that has a set process. It may be easier for us to do this. So let me play devil's advocate and say that for some other organizations and other departments and other roles that they would hire for, our, it, it may be really hard for the hiring person to, to be able to know the outcomes that would be like a good amount of like production from the role. <clears throat> That's essentially what we're saying as I have a frog in my throat is, <clears throat> is like we're saying if you know – the level of, so what we're saying by outcome is if you know the level of production, that's like good for a role, then you don't need to make sure that person's in their seat eight hours a day. You're making sure they're in their seat eight hours a day because you don't really know what the hell you're, they're supposed to do or what they would produce. And so you're like, well, you know, as long as they're working from nine to five or, or, you know, we're a startup, we're like a hardcore culture. So as long as they're working from nine to nine, then, you know, they must be doing a good job. And so, so let's talk about how, what are our outcomes? Specifically, I think you're talking about and I'm talking about one or maybe two of our roles, the writer strategist track. We yeah. also have, you know, like a paid ad specialist, amethyst, that's different. We also have project manager, at least it's different, et cetera. We also have graphic designer, um, but we're going to talk about like the main bulk of it. So we have this track um, and it has these kind of two tiers, writers and content strategists. And they're obviously content marketing agency, they're obviously the ones that are doing the day-to-day -day work. That's literally the work output for our clients producing these blog posts, right? And picking the keywords, doing the analysis. And all strategists have to go through writers. So we talk about that. So let's look at that strategist role. They're like, 
doing all the communication with the client. They're basically running the account, what traditional agencies would call an account manager. Um, but this is, they're also the one thinking behind everything, picking the keywords, you know, analyzing the results. And then either they're writing the pieces themselves or they're editing the pieces that a writer is working with them. My argument, my devil's advocate argument of why it's easier for us to do it over outcomes is that is a set repeatable process. Like what is the variability in their role? The variability is like, you know, client questions or like, you know, maybe some piece doesn't work or, oh, the analytics is broken for this client and we need to fix it or whatever. And then they reach out to us or whoever and, and we sort of collaborate and fix it. But the actual, the outcome is known from the beginning when we hire. We know that we are promising n number of pieces on a given account per month. They have to get those done. We know that there's a monthly call. We know we have a set analytics process to measure stuff from it. So those are our outputs. And then we know from having a variety of strategists how much time one account with all those responsibilities takes. And we know it by knowing how many accounts some of our you know, I guess best or full-time ish strategies. And we have this flexible arrangement. So you can, you can take only one account. You can take a bunch. We know that like a full-time, like serious load is like four accounts. No one, we wouldn't, no one would do more than that unless I don't know, they were like a magician. <laughs> and so, so like, we know that my devil's advocate argument is say, instead you're the CEO of a startup that's growing, you raised, I don't know, a like post seed series a kind of thing you're the founder ceo you're like a developer or the product person whatever and as part of raising that you need to hire a cmo let's talk about marketing since we're marketers people are listening to marketers that person doesn't know anything about what the cmo should be doing how how the heck am I, are they supposed to manage by outcomes i mean that that's a really loaded question because that's really broad the CMO can be in charge of a lot of different stuff, but I, but I think it's a, about setting incremental goals. Like the first, the first thing the CMO is going to have to do is test and see if there's product market fit. So can, can you bring in leads that turn into revenue? If not, there's something wrong in the business. It's either a product problem. It's either problem with the service or, the, the messaging is way off the way that you're positioning the business is way off. And so step one would just be figure out a way to get leads to come in that understand the value prop of what we do and can potentially turn into customers. Well, let me ask it a different way. But sure. if you're the CEO, that's not a marketer, let's say they're like, they're doing that. They're making progress on it. How do you know if they're doing it fast enough or how do you know if they, can do that plus start up some Google ads or whatever, or, or if that's too much time, you know what I mean? Like, so I guess the devil's advocate, if they were there would be like, what if they just do that, but they do it slowly um, because they're slacking half the time. Because they're not yeah, working as I mean, much as they should. I, I, I do think it's, it's really difficult for CMOs who are non, or sorry, for CEOs who are non-marketers to manage marketers because they just. But, here, they but here's another example, though. We've talked sure. to clients like this. The head of marketing, take that CMO. Often they're like, 
oh, I'm not an SEO person, you know, so I've like hired this agency. I've tried this SEO person or I'm not a paid ad specialist. So they hire a paid ad specialist. This is still within marketing now, the CMO or whatever, head of marketing hiring this person. And they still don't know, you know, how much output there is. Actually, that's very analogous. I don't want to, you know, put amethyst in this, but I imagine she wouldn't mind. Like you and I aren't Google ad specialists. Sure. <clears throat> She's not in that traditional content strategist role. So we don't know how, how much output there is, but she has the same flexible work schedule as all everyone else on our team. Like we don't know when she's sitting at her computer or not. And frankly, we don't care. <laughs> well, I think you just start with reasonable lead goals. Like even, even with her, it's yeah, we're not going to get into the minute details in terms of like how many changes are you making in the AdWords account per week or something like that. Those are like real, those are goals that people set for, for like the, the people on their team. Really? And it makes no, yes, it makes no sense. Like, how many changes, changes you're making in an ad account per week? Yeah, I I used to have crazy metrics that I was held accountable. Like, what is the email unsubscribe rate for every email you're sending out? And it has what? to be go yes, like crazy stuff like that. Is the bounce rate on your site going up or down? Like stuff like oh that. That's what God. I had to used to report on. And that's what I mean. You get it too into the weeds. And so in in the case of a paid ads person, set some realistic or or even low level goal that the person needs to hit for the amount of leads that they're getting and then just try to improve that over time. And so can we just hit this baseline goal and then yeah. can we keep improving from there? And then, then you get into the weeds in terms of like, let's set some lead number. So can we generate five leads per month? Yeah. And then if you're not able to do that, why just understand yeah. why, what, yeah. what's going wrong yeah. and then just try to incrementally improve from there. And I think if you approach it that way, instead of trying to get so into the weeds on managing the person, I, I think one, it allows a lot more creativity for the person in the role because they can figure out a bunch of different ways that they can try to attack the problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I just think that relationship becomes we're, we're focused. We're all focused on the same metric and let's do everything that we can and collaborate to hit that one goal. Okay. Okay. So, so now, now I think we're getting somewhere, um, to, to go back to this question then of like, I, I just want to keep this devil's advocate. I think is really interesting. So if someone's like, yeah, but like, what if, but what if they're, so we set a lead goal, like you said, five leads a month or whatever. And like, what if they're slacking? How do I know? Like we don't hit it. We don't hit it. And I think that happened with us and, and, and Amethyst and a bunch of things because paid ads works like that where you're like, let's test this channel. And then we come back and we have this like call, right? This regularly occurring call. And she's like, well, like this didn't, it didn't work. And then the suspicious kind of like, let's just say what it is, like kind of jackassy employer or whatever, right? That we're hypothetically saying would be like, well, what if she just didn't work hard enough? <clears throat> I think there's a compromise. Like first thing, when you said five leads a month, you set that kind of goal. I think the first mistake that you see this kind of heavy handed management do is that's like set in stone. And if they don't hit it, it's like bad. And we don't do that because we there's okay. Maybe the first principle I'm kind of gravitating towards is first thing you need a baseline of trust that your employees are not trying to cheat you. <laughs> that they're not bad, that they're good and they're trying hard and they're working hard. And I think we start from that. And maybe yeah. like, could we be taken advantage of because of that? Maybe. And maybe this is because our team is small enough to where we kind of like know people well enough or whatever, right? We're not talking about managing a 30,000 person like mega corporation, right? That's not 
where our expertise is, but whatever. So, but you, you need that if you, if you want to run a company this way, this like, what I'm just going to come out and say is the, the new modern way of running a company, fully remote, flexible, not like, like if, if the employer wants to go to the gym at, you know, 1 PM, they can, right. And if they need to drop their kids off for whatever time they can like that kind of thing. If you want to do it that way, you, you can't do the old method. So first thing is you set, like, you make a good point. You need to have some like goal, even if you're not, because I started this off saying like, what if, you know, the CMO hires a paid ad specialist, they don't know paid ads. We were in the kind of in that position. Um, well, but like, first of all, you need to know something enough to know what, what you are hiring for. So you're like, I'm not a paid ad expert, but I, you know, we know that our company right now gets 40 demo requests a month and we're not doing paid ads. So we know that one more demo request a month from a full-time paid ads person is not good. We know that 400 is not realistic. Like you can be reasonable enough to pick some reasonable goal, right? That's first things first. So you pick some reasonable goal. Then I think what I'm saying is if you want to manage by outcome and not the person's like day-to-day -day output, then the next step is principle is first, like you need to have some baseline trust in them so that you can do this, not have hitting these arbitrary like result outputs is like good or bad, where even if they don't hit it, you trust them that the, the relationship is let's now work together to figure out why. And it's not like you're bad and you didn't perform because you didn't hit this like arbitrary result number. That's baseline. And that has happened with us and with this. And we're not like, that's bad. We're like, oh, maybe this channel doesn't work. Maybe this ad thing didn't work. Like, let's figure it out. Yeah. If you don't have any comments, I'll keep going, but go ahead. Yeah, you, you can keep going. So then the second step, I think, I think there has to be some reasonableness to know if they're working hard or not, right? So now I'm going to get into compromises uh, from our approach and the traditional approach. I think one compromise is, well, like, even though we're completely flexible, we have just a logical common sense thing of like, if they're in the US and the vast majority of our team is, or even Europe, like, are they generally around during work hours? Like we don't monitor that. So I know I, it's a compromise. I, I want to do this delicately. We don't like, oh, this person's not green. Like I'm not going to name names, but there are, I think just awesome. Well, first of all, I think kind of all of our team is awesome, but the star employees that grow and convert that are generally not green on Slack at most times. <laughs> like yeah, I, 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 I can confidently it. say I have no clue when people are online. I mean, yeah. there, there's times where I'll ping someone and yeah, they might not be there, but I usually get a response in a reasonable time. And I think that's, that's generally what you should just look for. Yeah, so they I, don't, they don't need to be on online, but because yeah. you have asynchronous communication, you're not, you're not in an office all day, but if you yeah. need something, can you just get a hold of someone? Can they respond within a few hours? I don't know, a day even. If, yeah. Then, if, if not, then, then there's probably an issue if they're not That's responding exactly in a couple of days. Yeah. That, that was my like compromise to the green thing is like, we, we should admit it's not like we're like, so whatever that we're just like, yeah, you know, like we send something to an employee and they respond next month and we're totally fine with that. Like, no, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> you need well, to move faster than that. And there, and there's cer certain things that are more important than others. So for example, if you have a client send an email, that's important. Yeah. Getting a response back to the client, someone external 
is is really important. So it's it's more important for the person to respond quickly to the client than maybe something that's internal facing, like where there's yeah. not a hard deadline or someone's yeah. going to get upset from it. Yeah, some long term project or something. And, and and we'll talk about systems soon in the video. I'm going to ask you to like check time because I talk too much, but. Um, We'll talk about systems and, and processes and Trello and all, but like that was going to be my first compromise. So first compromise. So like we're, we're, we're doing this from the perspective of the devil's advocate. Who's like, no, no, if you do this, their employees are going to cheat you and take advantage. So one, have some baseline of trust. If you don't have any level of trust, first of all, screw you. Like, <laughs> like you're like a bad manager or employer, right? If you're just like mistrusting everyone. But second is like, if you don't have a baseline of trust, like you're, you're this is not going to work for you. Um, second, Yes, there's a compromise of reasonableness. Like, are they generally responsive, available, whatever? Then here comes the big one. So we'll take this scenario. You set some lead goal in this hypothetical paid paid ads uh, type role, right? And you're like some managed marketing person who's not like the expert. You can't go into Google ads and see everything and figure it out. This last one is say things are not going well, like you're not hitting results metrics or whatever. Why? Because if you are and they are, this is probably not an issue. You're just like happy with them. If you're not, can they like have a smart discussion with you about why? That's like yeah. the biggest thing. Because yeah. if they're just, if the employee is like not hitting or, like, or the results didn't happen, we're saying first, don't approach that as like, they must have been slacking off because then you're the idiot. But second, like in that discussion, the good employees Oh, they can analyze the shit out of what happened in there. They will be like, here's what I tested. Here's what happened. I think it's this. I think that's happening. Like your rockstar employee comes to that meeting being like, I know this. And I'm just explaining to you everything I know. And the bad employees, because I can't think of a better word, would just be totally clueless and deer in headlights. And they're like, I don't know. I did the thing you told me. And that's it. And that's that's the biggest check the other stuff i said trust you know generally responsive that's just like ticket to entry that's like baseline stuff right it's like basic yeah. stuff but the big one is like how smart is that post-mortem discussion no i i agree i think it's similar to what we were talking about in the hiring writers video yeah it's it's how can you give feedback and can the person show improvement after that or is it just more of the same yeah. And, and the people that can come back and show improvement, even, even if they don't have the answer on that, that call. So even if you talk to them and you're, you're trying to figure out what's going on, I don't know, there, there's certain roles where the, the owners or whoever the manager is might have more experience than the person in that role. And they're able to ident identify the problem. But I think after you've identified the problem and have kind of gone through what's going wrong, can that person show an improvement going forward and take initiative? I think that's what will yeah. separate the, the good people versus the bad. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so if we continue that scenario, you, you, you know, you set some hypothetical and, and we're going to use this scenario because we assume that whoever's listening is smart enough to then extrapolate to whatever the analogy is to whatever well, situation they're actually in. But I, I think to maybe make this more concrete, it'd be better just to share our outcomes over outputs. Like what, what is the difference between what we're talking about in our own outcomes versus outputs? So you like mean for your and my role inside or, or for no, like I just think for paid or no, something or no, I, I think for just writers and strategists, like, 
the difference well, I was in my using the paid role because the writers and strategists I was thinking was almost cheating because it's so it's not it's cheating so because we, we we had to figure that out though I, okay. I think okay. someone managing a writer or strategist like you, we started from zero we had to kind of figure it out I think the difference would be like output on the writing side you need to write 2,000 words why is that important that, like that that's yeah. a metric that people but but again like this this is the the difference in terms of how we think about it I yeah think, i guess i'm assuming people. that that is so ludicrous that i wasn't even going there but you're like you you make a no. good point like pe some people would do that like output no it's like when you have, word. when you have a like a writing team this is how people do it it's like oh you you have a two thousand word minimum you have <laughs> you have to i don't know publish on x day per month you need to produce four blog posts these are the kind of goals that people set for their team. And well, this to be is... fair, the last one, we have that, right? Because we have a set. Yeah, so our baseline a... is three articles a month to our client. So if, well, what's interesting is the writer, we decide beforehand. Like the strategist is like, well, I have two articles. And they're like, yeah, I'll do both. And then they're committing to it themselves. Um, but that's because our, our writer roles are typically it, also, it's not... Yeah. But, but I guess what I'm getting at is, is that to grow a blog, some of these metrics or, or things that people think are important or not. Like, yeah. I guess where, where I'm going is like, you don't need a 2000 word blog post every single time in order yeah. to grow your traffic, or you don't need to publish on every Tuesday, which is another goal that yeah. some people have <laughs> oh, to, to grow your blog, or you yeah. don't need to have four blog posts going live per month to grow your blog. Like those are outputs that people think are important, but yeah. that don't necessarily move the needle. And so it's more about having the right strategy and having outputs that match map to that strategy than it is having these arbitrary goals that people think are important because you just need to have that consistency or you need to have a certain number of words or you need to have some metric that that's always in line. That, I think that's yeah. the difference in, in the way of thinking about this than how most yeah. people think about like goal setting. And I think yeah. the goal setting if you're trying to grow a blog, it's like, okay, what are, what are, if, if you take like a high level concept like that, what are the things that are really going to move the needles? Like for us, it's, can we, how many page one rankings can we generate? How many uh, rankings in position one through three can we generate? And then if you back or, and then how many conversions can we generate? So there's really, it breaks down to only a few things that are important. One is the strategy, right? Are we picking the right ideas Two are the articles written in a way that are gonna get us those rankings, regardless of how long they are or anything else that goes in there. Like, I, I think that's more of where I'm going with this is, is yeah. if you think of your business like that and you work backwards, like what are the things that are important to just get your clients the results or move the business forward yeah. or get your blog traffic up and then you work back from that. And, there's, and I think there's all these things that people think are important that are not important. Yeah. Like all, all those little metrics that people track. And it's just like, none of that stuff actually moves the needle and it stresses your team out trying to hit these arbitrary goals all the time. And there's only probably three to five things that will actually make a difference on the business or in a client relationship. Yeah. I think a way to summarize what you're saying is almost like there's this sneaky back door for outputs to take over, which is management says of a business like, yeah, 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 we're doing it by outcomes. We're setting these KPIs or OKRs or whatever. Right. But, but well, I guess there's two ways to say it. One, 
They just don't know what the right OKR is. Like they're just doing yeah. a bad job of setting it. But two, it's almost like because of that, they they then come come back again and and they they label it like no no we we are managing by outcome. But what it but their metrics are actually no. It's these little like output things. Like you take like the thing that drives me crazy is that what you said is bounce rate on the website. I guess because I'm you know, I've done that CRO side for so long. Is it just like bounce rate is this effing random metric that people care about because Google decided to put it like smack front and center in like some of these analytics reports and we've all been using that. It's it's not front and center in GA4, thank goodness, as far as I can tell. But like, and so everyone's like, well, the bounce rate, the bounce rate. And you're just like, the bounce rate does not pay the bills. Like the only thing you really care about is leads and sales. Like just first, like get that into your head, right? And and the only reason you're thinking bounce rate is well, you're like doing this line of chain of thinking. Well, the bounce if they bounce, and then if they don't bounce and they bounce less, then they'll some fraction of them will buy. And you're like, well, in the end, all we're talking about is buying. And so the bounce rate is just this dumb metric. So it's like when you're setting these outcomes, first of all, like be really self-critical. Are these really the, the outcomes? And am I just using this outcomes idea to find a backdoor into micromanagement? Well, I, I think I, I, I don't think that most people approach it from a like negative. What I don't I don't know what the right word is, but I I don't think they mean to necessarily. Yeah, they just manage. don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I I think I think it stems from just not figuring out the right problems to solve. Yeah. So. When, when you start a business even, or when, you, when you're just getting started, there's all these things that you think are important that are just not important. And I think the difference between setting up a good management style versus not, I think is figuring out what's important and what's actually gonna move the needles. What are those key problems that you need to solve and focusing on solving those and just letting all the other minute problems go away. And I think that yeah. that's really the difference because if you bre- if you just look at your business and break down the key problems that you have to solve going forward, and everyone's focused on solving those key problems, everyone's aligned on moving the business forward. Versus, I, I've been in so many organizations that have teams that are siloed because they all have different goals, and then they're all competing against each other. So, like the sales team has a sales call goal, and the marketing team has a lead goal. Instead of just saying look, the goal for the organization this quarter, this year is to hit this revenue number. Yeah. You guys both work together to figure out how, how this is done. I don't care how this happens. I don't care if it's paid. I don't care if it's content. I don't care if it's outbound sales. I don't care what, what way you do this, Yeah, just get this done. And I feel like they're the not opposite, fighting with each other. They're not fighting, but I, I, I almost every single business that I've been in, there's politics, there's, um, just misalignment in terms of the different teams because they, they have their own goals and things that just don't, their goals don't even map to the things that move that big needle. Like that, let's, let's say you needed to hit a million dollars in revenue this year or something like that. The marketing team's goal might be, I don't know, generate like a hundred leads and then get this bounce rate down and then like get it a thousand no, no, let's organic this visitors. Example. I think I, the, while you're saying this, a bunch of really specific examples came up and I think listing them would be useful for, for, for the folks listening. So that one, let's continue that. The real goal is this revenue number, 
So just hypothetical, like whatever you said, 10 million or something, right? Or 10 million extra. In the planning stage, they're like, they do, you're, you're right. They do an innocent mistake. They do an innocent thing, which is like, well, to get 10 million, we know our average deal size is 10,000. And, and I'm not going to be able to do this math on the fly, unfortunately. So like, we need to close this many leads because our conversion, and they work their way backwards. So this yeah. many SQLs, this many MQLs. So therefore we need, you know, a, this, a thousand this leads this, yeah. a quarter or something like that. It's and then, all bullshit. You just don't, you don't know what you don't know. I, I, it's the same no, mistake. Let me, let me continue the example sure. to illustrate this. That's very common. Marketing starts, okay? They find some ad channel or SEO thing and they're like, oh, um, we found this channel that gets way fewer leads, but it's attracting these mega enterprise deals that are worth a lot more. But then they're like, someone's like, but your goal is a thousand leads. You're not going to hit that. And they're like, Oh shit, we're not going to hit that. We better figure out how to do it. <laughs> that is ridiculous and backwards. And another <laughs> example that's kind of like that, that we literally face in our work with clients is client hires us. If you hire, grow and convert, you want leads from content because that's what we do. So client hires us. They know that we start publishing our blog posts. They start ranking. They bring in the leads. Everyone seems to be happy. Client then says, Hey, you know what guys management? has held me accountable to traffic on the blog as well. So could you also produce some posts that are not bottom of the funnel, that are not big lead generating, just to get extra traffic to satisfy? Like, we've done that, but really, that is a backwards way of doing it. And that's another example. And I'll give you a third example from my life in the CRO world, is there's this team of someone on the client side and Growth Rock, my CRO agency, that some executive is like, they're in charge of conversion rate. Conversion rate needs to go up. <laughs> really, what we should call it is revenue optimization because we don't really care about conversion rate. We care about more revenue. Why? Because if you found some ad channel or some whatever thing that got you a really low conversion rate, but it was profitable, like you could put in $1 and get a bunch out and you got a bunch of revenue from it, that could bring conversion rate way down. If you got covered, if some PR agency got you covered in New York Times wire cutter and a bunch of people were clicking into your gizmo gadget thing for consumers and it got a bunch of revenue, but conversion rate went way down, that's still good. But we're in charge of conversion rate. And so they're like, well, the conversion rate looks down. You're like, yeah, because the SEO team is killing it and we're ranking for a bunch of this top of the funnel stuff. The conversion rate is down, but revenue is up. It's backwards. These are backwards goals. And then you can't do what we're talking about in the in this video, which is managed by outcomes, because then there's this like collision during one-on-ones, during reviews, where you're like, well, you didn't hit your thing. What are you guys doing? You're like, I'm smarter than your goal, is what the employee wants to say, because I'm actually hitting, I'm doing the more important thing. Um so well, anyway. I, I yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think I think the main problem is that people assume that they know the path to hit the goal when in actuality you don't, you don't know until you start getting into it. So trying yeah. to work backwards yeah. from the number and then just hypothetically come up with random things that you think make sense. Yeah. It, it like never, it never works out the way you think it's the same. It's the same problem when you try to create all these processes in your business. Like when we first got started and we tried to create an employee manual that shared okay. everything that you need to do to, to run an account on the agency when we were, yeah. when it was our first account, like we didn't, we didn't know how to run an account yet. We had to try yeah. it. You have to 
do trial and error to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And only when you figure out a repeatable process that works, can you then make this a legitimate process. And I think it's the same thing when it's goal setting, when you're setting this high level goal, you need to test a bunch of different things to figure out what's going to help you hit that goal. And when you start to find things that work, then, then you can build and some numbers around it and you can say, okay, now we have a general sense of how to do this. So let's make this our goal and let's try to incrementally improve that going forward. But I think the problem is even going all the way back to your question at the very beginning on just the CMO stuff, like this, like hit, even create some high level goal like that and then try to hit that again. And then you have to figure out why it worked or why it didn't work, double down on the things that are working and then stop doing the things that aren't working and then test new things. And I think that's just how you have to think about growing the business or growing an apartment and managing people. Because I, I think too many people try to break down the goal into these small little details and that's where you lose sight of the main goal. And then it creates friction in the company. People are doing the wrong things that aren't going to move the needle. And I think just from every single business I've been in, like that is a huge problem. Like they're just not, they're not letting the team do what they think is needed to hit the goal. Like the manager is trying to orchestrate what needs to happen and they might be pushing people in the complete opposite direction of what actually needs to be done. Yeah. I think, I think under this, what we're concluding is there's usually not a lot of debate about the top goal. And in particular, like our channel, our podcast, our field is marketing. So in marketing, like no one disagrees that, more revenue is good, like more MQLs, like the top line goals, it's hard to mess that up. In the end, marketing is driving business. So what you're essentially saying is stay there as much as possible. Because when you then try to upper handed conclude, and I'm resisting the urge to make some analogy about like, communism versus free market but it's like when you try to upper handedly conclude like from the central government like we yeah. need x you know bales of corn to feed the people you're like let the market decide like it's like let like let the people and then the other beside benefit of this that came to mind while you were speaking of it is how much better of a life is that for the work life is that for the employee where you have like who who is like you know I'm looking for a job where the management controls every decision of what I do in my job. I really am just looking to be micromanaged. Whereas like, if you're like, I have a marketing job and literally they give me like, you know, some budget or guidelines, whatever. And I just have to hit this and I can be creative and I can pivot and I can think of other ways to do it. Like that's literally what like people are like begging for jobs like that. And so it also makes your team a lot more autonomous and independent and creative. And that gives them more ownership. So that, that is, is, um, I, yeah, I agree. Now, now that you say that, I, I know I wrote down a whole list of principles that I think are important, but I think this is just the number one thing, because if, if you're focused on the business like this, so even just for our own business, like, is the business growing? Are the clients getting good results? Are we hiring great people? Pretty much that's all the business breaks down to in terms of like, are we, are we running a healthy business or not? Yeah. And like all the other little things aren't really important. And yeah. so to go back to what you're saying on, on the lifestyle and like what it does for your employees, it's like, yeah, all, all the things that you think matter don't anymore. So it's like, yeah. 
is this person showing up to work late? Okay, like what difference does that matter if all those things are, are moving in the right direction? Like, yeah. it, like, are the clients getting good results? Okay, if this yeah. person didn't respond in four hours, does it really matter if all the results for that client are going up? If and the and sometimes are... the answer is yes. Yeah. So we have this situation happening in the last couple of weeks where there's a client where we're getting stellar results, but there's some other things the client is worried about. And you and I felt like we actually needed some faster response times and more acknowledgement of that, despite our baseline results being absolutely outstanding for them. Hey, it's Davish. We had uh, our previous recording cut off. We had a technical issue where we realized afterwards that it just stopped right here. So I'm recording this as a follow-up to complete the thought. Specifically where it cut off, we were talking about there was a situation where we had to respond faster. And, and that was a minor point. Just to conclude that thought, the answer is we simply have that conversation and say, hey, in this case, we need to respond faster because of XYZ. But the larger point that we were making remains true, which is the vast majority of the time, this kind of but in seat, you must be online, green status is not as important as results, at least for our business. And that's something that we also wanted to say in the parts that got cut off is we're telling these stories from our experience because that's all we can do. And of course, there are businesses where being on call, etc. is important. Just what comes to mind is if you're working the night shift of a 24-7 IT services business, then yes, literally your job is to respond to tickets in the hours that you're working. And so that matters. But for a lot of companies, especially product type companies, being in that seat at that time is not that important. Finally, the bigger point that got cut off towards the end, the last different point we were making was about tools. Specifically, to have this outcomes, not output type work philosophy or operational system work, we think it's really important to have the right tools in place, specifically tools that allow for asynchronous communication and some sort of asynchronous viewing of the status of things. So here's what we mean, and I'm gonna be specific. The number one tool we use for that in our content workflow is Trello. So we use Trello, we use Slack as well, and I'll explain them. But what Trello allows us, and Trello for those that don't know, is a Kanban board type project management system. So a bunch of other things do the same thing. Asana has a Kanban board. Basically all kinds of um, project management systems have that. But that is as opposed to what? As opposed to a bunch of disparate emails flying back and forth, uh, and in fact, in that recording, I mentioned this latest book from Cal Newport, and I reached back and grabbed it called uh, A World Without Email, where he actually happens to, I, I ended up finding my name in it. And it was, and I was like, why am I in this? And it turns out many years ago when he was research, doing research for the book, I responded to something in his email list mentioning um, that I run, that, at that time, my A-B testing agency off of Trello, a project management system, and we don't exchange a bunch of emails. Why does that matter? Because emails are just quick back and forth communications that are completely disorganized. Trello lets you see the status of everything without having to ping people. What I mean is the Kanban board, each card, in our case, the content agency is an article. 
And then the columns that they move through are the different status steps of the article. Kicked off, outlining, writing, editing, client review, promoting. So things that normally require pinging everyone to figure stuff out is things like, well, what is the status of this? What's going on here? What's happening here? That requires either email or Slack or some kind of instant messaging, right? Teams, whatever. That, if, if, if that's the culture of communication and that's how you manage information and who's working on what in your company, then yeah, it's kind of important to have everyone in their seat at the same time and everyone green status at the same time because the way you work is by just quickly asking questions. Hey, what's the status of this and what's happening here? But if you use some kind of asynchronous tool like a Trello, it doesn't have to be Trello, but if you use a tool like that, then people can work on their own time. Specifically, you don't have to ping anyone and say, what's the status of this? You see it on the Trello board. Okay, this one's in editing. This one is handed off to me. You can add people's like little avatar. You can add people to a card. You tag them and say, over to you. It's ready for another pass, that kind of thing, right? So then you work when you want. So a writer writes it. The writer could be, and, and we have team members that are like, hey, I'm in, Korea. We like literally had this when we're recording this. One of our team members, uh, key team members is in Korea. He's like working there and, and living there for a little bit. And so he can be on Korea time and tag someone at 3 a.m. U.S. time, Pacific or East Coast and say, hey, this is ready. And that's fine. And, and there's no expectation of responding immediately as opposed to a Slack message. Things will get lost. It's organized. And I could come back at any time, I'd come back three days later. And, and I do that. So there's stuff after this video that's on my to-do list that is editing things that I've been tagged on two weeks ago because I'm so behind. Apologies to the team. <laughs> and so two weeks ago. And so I get there and the conversation just resumes. And so that's one key thing we did. Another thing we're doing is using um, one of our client's tools, Geekbot actually, via Slack to ask um, the daily stand-up questions. We're not a development agency, so daily stand-up questions usually in the dev agencies. They ask three questions. What did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? And what are the obstacles um, or challenges you're facing? And they do that sort of every day. We're doing it on a weekly basis, and it's a different three questions about, you know, what accounts, uh, is there any issues with any accounts you're doing? How are you doing? Et cetera, just to keep tabs on everyone, uh, including emotionally, how are they doing? Mentally, how are they doing? How is the team doing? So, um, that allows us, and that's done via Slack. It's, again, asynchronous. So Geekbot, the bot, just asks everyone Monday morning, their time at around, I think, 9 a.m., those three questions, and you respond to it. Most people respond on Monday morning. Some people take till Tuesday, Wednesday, and it gets posted on a particular channel. And so we can see, like, how are people doing and, and, and respond, say, oh, that account is having an issue. Okay, let me look into it. We also have another thing in Slack, just a system, no, no tool there where for each of our client accounts, everyone, um, the strategists give a weekly update on Monday of just the key metrics. It's really fast for them, you know, 10, 15 minutes. It allows, it, it keeps everyone on this uh, weekly rhythm of checking the metrics and making sure that nothing goes wrong. That was learned by hard experience. Years ago, we didn't do that. And sometimes we would notice that for weeks, some analytics thing was broken or whatever. And we're thinking we should have checked that weeks ago and we would have been able to fix that earlier. So those are the tools we use, Trello and Slack primarily. And But in general, the specific tools don't matter so much as what we wanted to get across is the idea that 
our systems of communication are asynchronous and that allows it supports let's say our you don't have to be online at this specific time it's not about being at work for eight hours on monday through friday it allows it to be outcome driven we can see on trello are the pieces that you're supposed to do done we can see on slack weekly updates what's happening are are the ideas coming at the right time are the, the results moving up are the rankings moving up are conversions happening and if that stuff is happening for us and the dynamics and the details of our business it doesn't really matter when they're working outside of obvious exceptions you make the client call like we said respond to the clients at a timely manner Th those are sort of obvious so hope that helps <laughs>